This is Right from the Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Aaron Taylor Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? <laughs> As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you. Bringing interviews, inspiration, and information to encourage, refresh, and equip you to embrace the deep, to find your truest story, your truest message in the deep places. You can get the episode show notes, lots more information and encouragement, and your free audio download, Five Crucial Ways to Safeguard Your Writer's Heart, at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, you wondering what's happening with the Write From The Deep team? Well, here you go. Aaron and I will be at the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference Yay! in California from April 12th to the 16th. We are teaching a continuing track on self-editing, but we just look forward to seeing any of you who decide to come along and join us. Besides, this is the 50th anniversary for this amazing conference. So look up more about it at writers.mounthermon.org. Yeah, I hope to see you there. And thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. We are so grateful for you guys. And special, special thanks to our Patreon sponsor of the month. Yay, Becca Whitham. It's W-H-I-T-H-A-M is how you spell her last name. And you can find out more about Becca at her website, BeccaWhitham.com. And that's B-E-C-C-A-W-H-I-T-H-A-M.com. And you can see all the books that she's written and check out her latest book in the Montana a Bride's historical romance series, and this one's co-authored with Gina Wellborn, and the book's called The Kitchen Marriage. And now, here's the show! The show. Welcome, listeners. Welcome to the deep with us. We're glad you're here. Prayer is an integral part of our relationship with God. It's where we're focused on Him and where we're seeking His wisdom, and often we're seeking His interventions too, right? And the Bible tells us that God will answer, but what it doesn't say is that we'll like God's answer. <laughs> so what do you do when you get an answer from God that you do not like? Well, the the foundation of where you go from there is to be honest with God about your feelings. You're, you know, he already knows your feelings. You can't hide them. So don't try to pretend that you're happy with this answer that you don't like. But instead, take those emotions to him. Ask him to help you process them. But don't stay in them. Don't stay in that place of not liking the answer. Too often we get stuck there and it builds resentment and anger. And then we start to doubt and we say, ridiculous things like I'm starting to doubt God's goodness. Don't don't go there. As hard as, as it is to move from emotion to reason, we have to do that as followers of Christ. I mean, think about it. Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, he gave us the perfect foundation for dealing with this kind of situation. In Matthew 26, 39, he says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Just keep that, hold that, not as I will, but as you will. So, realistically, how do we go from an emotional response to one based on trust? Right. So, the first thing we can do on that is to consider the reason 
for God giving us answers that we don't like. Let's think about what those reasons could be. And it, maybe it's our refinement. Maybe it's our safety. Maybe it's just about God's holiness. When you look at Paul and his thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So get this, God said no. And he said no more than once, obviously, because he's pleading three times. God, in his kindness, though, did give a reason so that God would be glorified and not Paul, so that he, God would not allow Paul to be conceited. That was good, right? Right. And here's Paul's response. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, God's answer to Paul was not one that thrilled him, I'm sure, but it was for a purpose. It helps Paul maintain humility, dependence on God, perseverance in trials, and most important, joy in the face of all of that. Right. Yeah. Right. Look at his words. You know, he says he's going to boast gladly and he's right. content. There's another version where he says he delights in these weaknesses and persecutions. God's no is working for Paul's good, for Paul's refinement and for God's glory. The second thing that you can do is realize that the answer you received may not be about you. I mean, I, I think back to when my, my dad, who we lost about two years ago, was diagnosed with stomach cancer. We never thought cancer would be an, a factor in dad's life. We thought his heart would be the problem. But in October of 2015, he was diagnosed with an aggressive stomach cancer. And believe me, <laughs> my dad was so important to me is is still the foundation of who I am as a person, my mom and dad both. But with my dad, I prayed for his healing. I begged God for his healing. I begged God not to have dad suffer through pain. But God's answer to all of that was no. His answer was that dad went through the whole process of mm -hmm. dealing with an aggressive and painful cancer. But here's the deal. When dad went on hospice, the amazing people who came in to help him, they would sit and they would talk with him about death and they were very forthright in what they were saying. And I'll never forget when one of those hospice people, one of the, the lead hospice people came in and, and put a chair right next to dad's recliner in front of it and scooted up close to him and put her hand on his leg and said, you know, Fred, it's okay to be afraid. Hmm. And my dad looked at her and he just got this amazing smile on his face. <laughs> He'd been suffering for months and months, but he got this smile on his face and he said, I'm not afraid. He said, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm spending eternity. He said, I don't look forward to the pain that I have to endure until I go there, but I'm not afraid. Hmm. When I walked her out after the visit, she stopped and she looked at me and she said, your dad is an amazing guy. 
And all I could do was just smile and say, yeah, he is. He was such an example to all those workers who came in, all those different people who came in of grace in the midst of pain, of faith in the Mm. midst of death. They were all encouraged and uplifted. So that answer, as I look back on it, God's answer to all of that was no to healing dad in this earthly realm so that he could use him to uplift and to bless other people. Another thing we can do is understand that not liking God's answers, but accepting them all the same is the heart of obedience. We don't obey because we like it or because we agree. You know, we obey based on who God is, not on what the answer is. If you look at Moses, he is faithfully leading the Israelites out of Israel. And then after they rebel, he's basically leading them around the wilderness for 40 years. He never gets to see the promised land because there was was one time when he didn't do exactly like God asked in Numbers 20, uh, 10 and 11. And there's no water. The whole community is grumbling against Moses and Aaron like it's all their fault. And God tells them specifically to speak to a rock and it's going to gush water. But instead, Moses says to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then Moses raises his arm and he strikes the rock twice and the water gushes out. And that's great, except... God calls him on the disobedience because he hit the rock instead of speaking to it. And God tells him, you can't go in the promised land. And we may think that's a little thing, but God says Moses broke faith with him. Moses didn't uphold God's holiness among the Israelites. That's tough. You know, Moses ends up pleading with God in Deuteronomy 3, 24 through 26, where it says, At that time I pleaded with the Lord, Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country in Lebanon. But because of you, the Lord was angry with me, and he would not listen to me. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. (laughs) God was pretty clear. And Moses obviously didn't like God's answer. It was a hard answer. It's hard when we get answers that are basically consequences to our choices and thinking that we know better than God does. Those are the toughest answers of all, but there's nothing Moses can do because God's in charge. And so Moses went on to lead the Israelites around all those years and to accept the fact that he never got to enjoy the fruit of all that had to take place or the rest. Yeah, and the key in all this is what is Moses's heart doing? You know, at the end of his life, is he bitter? Does he accept God's response instead? He accepted the response. He is still faithful. He still speaks to the people on God's behalf. Was it a struggle to accept God's decision? I think so, because Moses is human. (laughs) You know, it's always a struggle, but ultimately he has a heart of obedience because of who God is. We might not like God's answers. We may never know the reasons this side of heaven, but we do know God. And we have to be willing to say, this is an example of God being God and me needing to submit to his will. So, 
step four in going from emotion to a response based on trust and reason is to understand that God's answer is based on something we can only begin to understand, <laughs> only begin to scratch the surface of, and that's God's holiness. He answers in accordance with his holiness. His answers are also based on his knowledge and wisdom, which again are so far beyond anything we can understand. Never forget, God sees from a perspective we can only glimpse in rare moments of prayer, rare moments of communion with him. We tend to live in the immediate, in our world, in what's going to happen in the next moment. God lives outside of time, and his answers are based on the knowledge he has of everything, not just of us in our individual lives. Remember that movie, Bruce Almighty, where Jim Carrey's character, Bruce, was, quote, made God, unquote, so he could see what being God was all about and how it was not an easy thing. He carelessly answered everyone's prayers with a yes. Oh, he goes to this computer where all the prayers are coming in, and he says, oh, this is easy. Yes, 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 yes. And the result is utter chaos. The word goes into utter chaos because you can't answer every prayer with a yes. God's answers are perfect and perfectly timed because he is God. Right. Another thing to realize here, and this relates to the last thing, is to realize that this could be a benefit that we can't even see yet. I'm, I'm in the midst of this right now, you guys. My husband lost his job many months ago, and that's very frustrating. He yeah. wanted to have this stable home for our kids. He wants to stay in this comfy house, in this comfy place. And God said, um, no. You know, no. But here's the thing. At the job he was at, he wasn't using all his gifts. And I'm thinking, maybe this is an opportunity for him. Maybe God leads him to something entirely different that we can't even see yet that's going to be a brand new opportunity and an exciting thing and a good thing for him. That's what we're trusting. That's what we have faith in, that God's going to do something ultimately good, a benefit that we don't see yet. You know, I was just talking to someone the other day, and um, it was Gallen. She didn't end up taking a job like 20 years ago. There was this job opportunity overseas. And she just never heard the amen from God, but she always kind of wondered, you know, and regretted. Maybe she should have taken it after all, but she really didn't think God was leading her. And, you know, she told me that her daughter said to her just recently, now that her daughter's grown up, she said, you know, I'm in a career that I love. I am going in a direction that I I, I, this is my passion. And you know, I realized that if you had gone overseas, that would have kept me from being able to do this job that I love right now. And we're talking about something 20 years in down the road, you know, right. that was a benefit nobody could have foreseen. This God who is sovereign, who knows everything from beginning of time, that's the one we trust in. So the next step here is you can come in prayer in full confidence that God will fulfill his promises, but then understand that the timing and the way that fulfillment comes, that's up to him. In Numbers 23, 18 through 20, let's, let's listen to this. God is not human that he should lie. Guys, he's going to fulfill his promises. He's not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Well, guys, does he? Obviously, the answer is no. Does he promise and not fulfill? Again, no. He fulfills every promise he's made, and we can trust both God's word and his character. 
But you know where the problem comes in? It's when we get these answers that we don't like and, and we go to him and we pray and pray and pray. And then we want to put our parameters on right. how and when God is going to answer us. We, we even try to sometimes step in and give him a hand. Right. <laughs> Clearly, he's forgotten us. I mean, look at Abraham and Sarah. God promised them a child of the new covenant, but they got tired of waiting. Yeah, it, it was a long time. Years, I'll, I'll years. concede to that, years and years. But still, they knew God as very few others did. They end up deciding that God needs help here. I mean, you know, yes, he's God, but he needs help. And so enter Hagar. Sarah's handmaid, and Abraham sleeps with her, and enter Ishmael, the firstborn son. But you know what? Even though their, quote, intervention, unquote, did result in a son, Ishmael brought great pain to Abraham. Abraham pled with God that Ishmael would live under God's blessings, and eventually God said he would bless Ishmael. But he also said very clearly and very firmly that the covenant was with the true promised child, which was Israel. And, you know, the thing is, is that God's timing is perfect. Right. And he knew when it would be time for, for Isaac to be born. He knew when the right time was. And I look at that. I was just reading about um, the birth of Samuel. Same thing. You know, Hannah is pleading year after year after year for a child. And God says no, and this is terrible because her husband has another wife and she's having kids left and right. And yeah. she's cruel to Hannah, provoking her. They go to their annual sacrifice and she never ends up eating because she's so upset. And one year she's praying in the temple. She's so distraught. The priest Eli thinks she's drunk. you know. And so they have this conversation and she tells him all, you know, her heart. And he says, you know, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And I mm -hmm. think that gives Hannah all kinds of confidence that God is ultimately going to answer her prayer, because it says she gets up, she goes, she worships, she seems at peace. And you know, in God's time, he does say yes, and Samuel is born. Now, Hannah had promised to give him back to the Lord, so Samuel ends up living at the temple with the priest Eli, and ultimately, here's the timing part. Uh, Samuel is there and ready to lead Israel after Eli and his sons all die on the same day. But yeah. there has been Samuel all this time hearing the word of the Lord and growing, and the people respect him. They're not left in chaos, even though those uh, Eli and the sons died at a very difficult time. So that was God's purpose for Samuel, but Hannah could never foresee that. That was God's plan. That was God's timing. And yes, ultimately, Hannah did get more children. <laughs> So it all ended happily. So that difficult answer of no for years and years and years ultimately resulted in an answer of yes, but not until God knew things were ready. So what we're saying here, guys, is it's okay to go through the emotional response of not liking God's answers. We all get hard answers from God and answers that we just were like, that cannot be God's answer. Yeah. But you know what? That's a normal human emotion when we don't get what we hope for. But then we need to move from that place of emotion to a place of trust, to a place of reason, to a place of embracing the reality of the one who gives us our answers. We need to go to him in prayer, even after we've gotten an answer we don't like, return to prayer and return to him and submit it all to him. We get past our emotions when we focus on the answer giver, right. not on the answer itself. 
like we've said several times, our trust, my friends, is in God and in his proven character, not in the individual answers we receive when we pray. The verse we'll end with today is one we've heard over and over and over. But you know what? Too many of us don't trust in it. We don't take it to heart. We just, you know, rip it off like memory school when we were in church right. and stuff. But but I encourage you, listen now. Listen and take these truths to heart. Let this verse be your guide when you receive an answer from God that you don't like. And this is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. We hope you found it helpful. And if you know someone else who needs this podcast, please share it. You can find backlist episodes and lots more resources at our website, rightfromthedeep.com. Yep, we'd love to connect with you guys there. So until next time. Embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Amen. Amen.